On today's episode, we have a special guest, Naomi. Um, Naomi, if you want to quickly introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Hi, my name is Naomi Van Holtren. I am the CEO and founder of a company called Luna VR, and I'm from Vancouver, but I'm presently sitting in uh, the UK right now, so (laughs) hi. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know the time zone difference is quite a lot, but (laughs) I'm glad we were able to make it work. Um, Yeah, so I just wanted to start off, like, tell us a little bit about Luna VR. Yeah, so what we do is um, I'm a registered nurse. I created the company because I really saw a need with my patients. Um, VR in Vancouver is a really big growing sector. I'd never tried it before and um, quickly realized the power that VR has. So what we do at Luna is we want to help change your vaccine experience and therefore change your needle experience. So most people's um, fears are related to the first time they get a vaccine. And often this is children or um, some adults who (laughs) like to delay the process. Um, And if you have a first initial fear of a needle in a vaccine, it kind of stays with you. So some kids don't have any psychological effects. Other kids have multiple physiological and psychological effects. So that could be anything from your heart racing the minute you see it to people faint and seizure. Um, So we're trying to use VR to change that process and make it a little bit easier. Yeah. And so how did you get the idea of using VR? Like, have you had a lot of experience working with VR in the past or like just like, you know, gaming with VR? I know there's a lot of multi-uses now for VR technology. So how did that become an inspiration? Um, no, I had no, absolutely no experience with VR. Um, to be honest, I was, I, I always worked as a labor and delivery nurse. So I absolutely loved, you know, hard 12 hour shifts had never thought about VR other than I was worried because I was getting motion sick. So I thought, you know, it wouldn't work for me. Um, I stopped doing that job and became a vaccine nurse full time. And one day after like a long shift of doing the same thing over and over and having a lot of adults really complain and and not just complain, but be, it was hard to see so many, I'm not going to lie. It was more like more men. Um, but to see so many men terrified to sit in a seat and get a needle was pretty shocking. So um, I'd, I'd been at work all day. My husband had won a Oculus Go and he was like, oh, just try it. Just try it. And I was like, no, I'm tired. Leave me alone. And then I was sitting on my balcony in Vancouver and he put it on and I was in like a beach water scene. There was like some alien beside me and like a ton of moons and like right away, number one, I forgot I was on a balcony, which is kind of terrifying. But also I like, you know, after work, how you're like stressed and your shoulder, everything's tense. Like I was like my whole body like relaxed. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't, I never thought about VR as a tool to help actually like relax your body. So yeah. Then I started doing research to see if people were using it. Do doctors and nurses use this? And so. So the only thing stopping you from becoming an entrepreneur sooner was your husband didn't win any contests. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's, uh, he's too cheap to buy it on his own. <laughs> That's awesome. So like, what is the VR experience like then for patients that are using Luna VR? Like, can you give us like a step-by-step of like what it'll, the procedure would be like? Yeah. So I really wanted it to match what normal nurses and doctors do and what 
patients go through in a vaccine procedure. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to do a five minute lead up to this, you know, vaccine that's making people terrified. So the whole process is about 90 seconds. Um, and what that does is we give you time to get to know what VR looks like. So if, if kids have never been in it, you know, they don't really look around because they're so in awe and adults will either look around or fidget or whatever. And so we, we first wanted to, I wanted, I wanted kids to feel empowered when they get a vaccine. As we've all seen with COVID, um, herd immunity is really important. People who get vaccines and, you know, the kids that go through it need to know that they're, they're helping their loved ones, they're helping their community. And so I wanted them to get superpowers. Mm -hmm. So living in BC, I had to put mountains in it. Um, I hate winter. So I love the idea of it being like a winter wonderland and then melting it into summer. And another key thing was I wanted, um, when the character in VR touched you, it to match what was happening in real life. And that's key so that kids aren't jumping out the way and we could give a heads up. So they're sort of fighting off these snow monsters. The first cold, which is um, a snowflake in their arm, is when we do an alcohol swab, which cold is often the sensation. And then the burning is the hardest part of vaccines to stop because um, as everyone remembers, the minute it goes in your muscle, it's like, oh, you know, it's not actually the needle going in, it's that burning sensation. So we, we found that people have already studied this for 19 years. Um, the more input your brain has, the less it can focus on pain. It's basically why, you know, if your one foot's hurting, you stomp on your other foot is the idea behind it. It's distraction. Um, yeah, exactly. It's distraction. And so we kind of made it so that the minute the burning starts is when the most visual and sound effects happen. And, you know, the kids could kind of be like, whoa, something else is happening. And then they, they are way more distracted, which has been really cool. No, this is really well thought out. I mean, I personally got to experience it in a VR myself, and it's definitely, like, beautiful inside, like, the characters and everything. Speaking of the characters, Luna, the dog in um, Luna VR is actually inspired from your own dog, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from that dog, and we were on, like, um, a, a seven-month hiatus. Me and my husband just quit everything because we started working really young, and, and we went and traveled, and we found her in Mexico, so... um I always say she's like tied up outside a restaurant and we didn't steal her, which everyone thinks. Um, we, she was for adoption. And so anyway, we've used her now as a character. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome. I was just going to ask, like, do you have the same kind of storyline, whether it's a, an adult or a child? Do you guys run with the same thing or is it different? Yeah. So we, teamed up with Centennial College, um, which was kind of funny. They they saw me speak at a health tech event, and I was actually trained for nursing in Toronto at Ryerson, and Centennial College is the sister college to the nursing school I went to. So that was kind of cool. And so we teamed up to create um, through their WinTech program, which is like technical development students, different adult experiences. So there's some cool ones that they came up with. Like one was like your, cause I always love the BC vibe because BC is the best. So one was like a, a fire pit in front of you and like these adults are having different conversations and it's kind of more funny. And then um, the people beside you touch different parts of your arm because it's also as an adult, we, we get more than just one vaccine. We can often, I don't know if you've gone traveling anytime and you get like four and you get yellow fever, which is super painful. So um, we're in, we're still developing those, but it's definitely going to be different for adults um, in the storylines that we've started, just to make sure that you know they're they're having more fun than and you know adult humor. We should have a little bit more adult humor. 
Yeah, that's definitely cool. I, yeah. I would definitely love to try it out once you have the adult version released. Like that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so I know that Luna VR then it's your first company, like your first outside of being an RN. So like being a first time entrepreneur, like what were some of the challenges that you found that you were facing, like that you didn't expect or like were something that you were expecting down the road? Yeah. Um, I think when I first became an entrepreneur, I, I looked around and was like, why does it take everyone so long? Like, I don't understand. Don't you just like do like, you know, we're 12 hour shifts. I was like, I get so much done in 12 hours, you know, like what is taking people so long? And then I didn't realize that like life happens. And like when you have a normal scheduled job, um, you, you know, sometimes you can't sacrifice to do things in life that you would normally do, or they give you a specific time off. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're doing this all the time. It's exhausting. Um, it's a lot of self-motivation. So I think number one, I didn't realize how hard it was. I very naively didn't understand that. Also, I didn't realize like, um, actually I was, you know, I, I've met everyone here through launch Academy. And I remember one day I walked in and I was like, everyone was very happy. And I was like, I'm so down, like entrepreneur, <laughs> like what the heck? Why is everyone so happy all the time? And so the guy sitting across from me, I was like, this is, I don't know you, but like, do you ever get really down about like starting a company? And he was like, oh yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's called the, like, I didn't remember the term, I think it's entrepreneurship blues or something. And I was like, <laughs> startup depression yeah i was not expecting that so you get these huge highs you know things are moving people love you they want to see your stuff da, da, da. and then you get like this like one person will make a comment and you're like oh my gosh you know because it's so close to home so um those are two major things that i think, I think about. so so it's really interesting because like like obviously in the past you you were a registered nurse and and I think I'm not I'm not over dramatizing today when I when I say nurses are are heroes right like and a lot of them especially the ones in the ER they're they're in high pressure situations like how and I don't need a direct comparison but just kind of like the experience of of working both roles like how do you compare it what's similar what's different um Critical thinking is huge. So and I, I always did high-risk pregnancies, so a lot of pregnancy complications and labor and delivery, so birthing babies. Um, I think in nursing, uh, you have standards and protocols, so you have to think critically and you have to like do something fast, but you also have kind of like an underlying rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, in entrepreneurship, I kept asking people like, okay, so am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do this? And people were saying like, you can do whatever you want. And I hated that to start with. Yeah. Um, my mentor is Dan Berger and he kept being like, stop calling me about questions. Like you can do what you want. <laughs> so I like, no, I want like the rule book where you don't, you know, you don't step outside the line. So um, that's definitely a big difference. Yeah. So. What about the stress part? Cause you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, the, the depression and stuff like that, but I'm sure like being a nurse isn't a walk in the park either. Yeah, that's very true. The highs and lows, uh, I feel like in nursing, you get a lot more highs and lows in a particular shift. So, you know, you, you know, you're having a 12 hour shift. So you sleep, you start mm-hmm. your day, you have so much energy, it's going well. And then you could have an emergency C-section or something happened to a baby and then you go low and then you're running into another room to help another mom out. So you're going high versus I found with entrepreneurship. Um, it's not as drastic because I'm not resuscitating mm-hmm. babies, 
but you can still have the same highs and lows in like one day. Like literally you could have so much excitement from one person or a company that, you know, is interested. And then at the same time, I had a doctor who told me um, that he didn't have problems with needles. So he didn't understand how his patients would. And like, mm. I was so rattled by like, how can you, how can you be a doctor? And not <laughs> <laughs> Again, like the highs and lows, but not as like, you know, life saving. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, my hypothesis is that the the issue that, you know, outside people looking in that don't understand is like, oh, you're your own boss. Like, if you're working too hard, just give yourself a break, right? But I think, I think, you know, in my experience of working with startups, like a lot of where like the start of depression would come from is because we, as entrepreneurs, like we never leave work, right? Yeah. Like the, the problems and, 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 you know, I think work-life balance has a lot to do with this, but when you, even when you're at a hospital, you leave the hospital, you can kind of try and, you know, place it in a box, literal or, yeah. or figurative, right? Whereas, you know, when you're running your own business, it's, and it's, it's truer even now because we're all in our, our, our offices and our houses and our whatevers, but like we, we can't put it away in a box and just close that door. It's, yeah. it's constantly on. And I think that's, that's like a really interesting discussion that I like to have because I think not even today, even though we have labels for it, like not enough people talk about this part of the journey because yeah. I think outside looking in, even people that are not part of the startup community, like my buddies, like they always look at me and go like, oh, what you're doing is so interesting. Like you can control your own hours and, and you know, all the, all the perks that come with this, this lifestyle. Um, but, but like, I think that's, what's fascinating for me about this COVID situation is because when people have started to work from home, they all, that sort of seeps into them too, right? Like, people yeah. who, who are like bankers or financial experts. Now they work at home and they realize like, Hey, I can't just shut off at five. Right. Um, so like that, that's always been really interesting to me. I think too, that part of like, you're always working, but then also it's your whole life. So like my partner is like, well, what do you do today? And like, we had to, uh, maybe that's a great point is like when you start a business, like you have to say to your partner, like, don't, it was like, he was judging me. Like, what did mm. you do today? Like, did you do oh, enough? No. <laughs> and I, I was always defending myself, but he's more interested. And then your family wants to know what you're doing. And then like, you know, if something didn't go well, then everyone knows. And yeah, entrepreneurship is, you just gotta be a tough cookie. I did a lot of paperwork today and my husband was like, you look really happy. And I was like, yeah, let me make it big. I'm just going to be the office manager for a company. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else can be the CEO. <laughs> gotta do what you enjoy, right? Yeah. Can you just touch a little bit on maybe like, like family support? Cause I think we like, bits and bites we we like to dive more into just just the the surface level so, yeah. so like yeah like what what about like how does entrepreneurship kind of affect your husband and you mentioned a couple of times and maybe other parts of your family yeah so husband wise um he's so supportive so um he's i think it's way easier to start a company when there's a bit of a team so he couldn't do it full time um a bit of backstory to me i have type 1 diabetes and i also have multiple sclerosis so i personally cost over a hundred grand a year in medication. So no matter what, we've always kind of relied on him and insurance to have, you know, to money to support my medications alone. So there was never a point at which we could just both like quit our jobs and, you know, jump into this fully. So I quit my job right away and just did it. But um, he's, he's pretty wonderful. He's got an engineering background. That's how his brain works. So he's really loved how things have been developed. I'm the people person and, you know, the sort of, I'm learning be I'm to get better at sales. I don't, I'm not a pushy person. It's against my character. So, um, and he's a bit more pushy. So, you know, things like that are really good. Um, I think when you start something that other people can see and believe in, it's way easier. So my sister, 
uh, works in Cisco. She's an account manager. Actually, she just got promoted and she now has the city of Toronto, which is huge. Sweet. Um, wow. Congrats. Yeah. Um, Cisco has been incredibly um, positive about what we're doing. And, and my sister just like promotes me to everybody. So we ended up getting in being highlighted as a company that was using health tech for good in Cisco's innovation center in Toronto. And that all came from my sister being like super, you know, she's like, you need to meet my sister. Look what she's doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really supportive and great. But, but I'm also feel very lucky. Like my husband's had a great job. I, we, you know, we started working when I was 17. And so, yeah, we've done, we're pretty stable right now, but you know, you always have that pressure where you're like, Eesh, like it'll crumble. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So I just had a few more questions then. Um, so, you know, now that you've been working with like VR technology and like med tech, um, do you see like in your own personal thoughts, like, do you think there's a future for VR technology, like in other practices maybe, or even like other, um, like, yeah, I'm not sure. So I'm not super familiar with the medical field, but like, how do you think VR can impact um, the medical industry? I think one of the best ways VR helps um, is great distraction tools. I think it's really important for medical professionals to remember that it's a tool, but also to remember that like it is so incredible for training. So a perfect example of this is when you train to scrub in the OR, you do, um, you have a teacher beside you, you watch them scrub, which is where you're gowned up and you pass instruments and you know, you're in between the doctor and the nurse who's not sterile. So um, if something goes wrong, you're there putting sutures on, you know, it's, it's very, very intense. And so the training for that is you watch someone do it once, they stand beside you and you do it awkwardly. And then you do another, um, another one by yourself and then they just watch you do one. Well, there's something called, um, so when you're having a baby, if something goes really, really wrong and you can't stop bleeding, they basically will take out your uterus. So it's called a hysterectomy. Um, the training for the hysterectomy was they handed me the tools in normal, like not sterile. And I just looked at the tools and was like, okay, I've memorized the tools that the doctor asked them. I just passed them. But like, that's not like, you know, when you're in an emergency situation, that's terrible. Well, my first C-section ever by myself, I, the, um, when you've had a C-section before, if you have too many contractions, the lining of your uterus can open. It's called abruption and it can kill mom and baby. So it's very, very scary. Wow. That happened my first C-section. <laughs> so normally if you can't stop the bleeding, that turns into a hysterectomy. And the first time I ever tried VR for nursing training, I was like, oh my God, I would have died for this in as like in nursing school and when you're, you know, when you become a full-time nurse because the first catheter you put in someone is some poor patient who doesn't know that it's your first time and you just, you know, wing it. So, um, training's incredible distraction. And like with COVID and you know, how much we're all going to have to be social distancing now. Like if you think about people who still have to get surgeries and kids who have to go for surgeries, like we used to bring them into the hospital and do a tour. And, you know, we try to take away the fear of people in masks, you know, and get them to feel comfortable. Well, that's not a reality. You know, moms who are having babies at, at one point this year couldn't even have their partners with them. Like, so uh, VR is like amazing for that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I have heard like some stories of like new med tech coming out, especially like VR medical training. Yeah. 
and it seems like you know like you've experienced it yourself so i hope that it does become more of like a popularized like method of teaching because you know i think especially now with like COVID, like you see a lot more like retail stores or like different businesses really upping their technology game just to keep up with what's happening around the world so hopefully like you know things start rolling the ball especially in the medical field yeah. Um, when you're sorry, when yeah. you're introducing Luna to to people in different medical fields, whether it's nurses or doctors or et cetera, yeah. like do you find that there's a stigma about VR? Um, yeah. So the first thing is that people haven't tried it recently. So I don't like the first VR I ever actually did try was my husband had a drone and I put on like the goggles where you really crappy ones and you could control it and you know it makes you feel nauseous mm -hmm. a lot of people right away are like oh well it's going to be dizzying it's going to make kids feel sick or adults mm -hmm. um i find that then you get the opposite where you get like so the Rand goldman's like the the head of emerge at bc children's hospital and he also runs their vr pain clinic so he is like ecstatic about vr and like what it can do and knows the benefits so I kind of find you get you get both sides. Some are really like hesitant, and then others are like, if they're tech people, a lot of nurses don't want to like do the. They don't just don't. They don't believe in themselves that they can do it. Like, so if they have trouble using a cell phone, like they're an older nurse, then they're not going to yeah. want to try your headset. But we created it to be like you literally turn it on and connect it, and then it stays connected all day, so that you can do patient after patient with one click of a button. And that was number one for time efficiency, but also like. I didn't want people to, I didn't want VR and the tech to be a barrier to even try something that could really help people. So, yeah. And, and like, what's, what's really been like the breakthrough for, for people like that, in your opinion, you know, getting them to actually try, because I, I know there's like, depending on who it is, some people would be nervous about technology. I also think like the way that VR has been marketed thus far, like, you know, there's a lot of gaming and there's a lot of like, oh, this is like a toy versus like, this is actual real world functionality, especially when we get into to training and stuff like that. Right. Like yeah. what, what do you think is, is the breaking point for, for people to actually give it, give it a shot as, as a serious thing, not just like, oh, I'm going to put this on and check out this magical world for a sec. Yeah. I think number one is the, so before I even actually started the company, and I think this is really important for any entrepreneur, I surveyed over a hundred healthcare professionals in all realms. So I did blood technicians, doctors, nurses from all different areas. I wanted people who worked with babies, kids, you know, older adults. And, and these are all the questions I asked, you know, like, would you use VR? What are the barriers to you using it? Do you believe it could change um, how quickly you give a needle. So for example, if I get a patient who's scared of needles, a needle should take 90 seconds, but you could spend like five to 10 minutes fighting with someone. And it's horrible. Like as a nurse, it's like really stressful. Like I'm sweaty, you're sweaty, everyone's sweaty. It's not like a fun experience because everyone's so stressed mm. out. Um, so I think it's, it's really important for, we, we do demos, which I think is key. I think the more VR grows and expands, the more everybody in VR will benefit. I also think research. So they've been studying it for 19 years, which most healthcare practitioners don't know. There's been, you know, it used to be a huge computer that you had to have cords and you're connected. So that's obviously going to be a quick barrier because they don't want to spend the money and they don't want to have all this stuff in their way with how great computers are and, you know, will continue to be, they're so small and compact and, and mobile now that, you know, once they see, actually try it, they see the reaction from kids and how much it can change and they have the evidence behind it. 
um, I find people start to soften a little bit towards like, okay, well let's try it then. So I also have a big passion for this. So it's like, you know, I, I personally take a needle every time I eat. So I'm a human pincushion. I have given thousands of needles. Like I'm an absolute expert and I really, really just want to change kids first introduction into needles and then adults who have had negative experiences to help them not stress about a vaccine for two weeks, but instead be like, okay, I know I can cope with this. It's going to be like a, it's not going to be fun, but it's also, it's not going to be like a fun procedure, but it's also going to be like fun in the way of like, let's see if we can try something new. So I'm a bit, you know, excited about it, which sometimes helps. <laughs> well, I love the way that Luna VR is going to be changing a lot of the perspective of like, you know, being scared of even just like any medical procedure, like okay, the way that a lot of people have these fear of dentists, like all these sharp objects, like, you know, I can see it like going into like dental technology. Like I, like if I'm getting a tooth filled out, like I would love to just have a VR headset on just like in my own world while it's all happening. Like I hate the dentist. Like was <laughs> I'm, I, get, I get that one. No, like no problem. Well, they already give us sunglasses, right? Like I, I, I guess it's for splash or I, I don't really know what they give us sunglasses for. I always thought it was for the light, you know, like the light that they pull over. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a headset. I mean, like, they also have those TVs up at the top, right? Like, yeah. to distract you. So, you know, TVs, like, what, 300 bucks? So, yeah, so. yeah. And it's the noise, right? I think that's the hardest part is, like, mm. the VR is, it's just taking over everything in your body versus just, mm. like, yeah, I hate the dentist. So, staring, and then she's talking to you, and I'm just like, I don't want to see you. I just want to bend <laughs> and I'm not here right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't want to see these, like, sharp drills up in my face. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the sound, too. It's all yeah. the senses. Um, yeah, but, you know, VR just encloses you out, so you go into Zen. <laughs> did, did we just expose the Luna expansion? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's like our number one um, question is dentistry. And I'm like, oh, well, I might even get investment, you know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so um, I just have a couple more questions then. Like, hey, so now that we're talking so much about, like, med tech and stuff, okay, let's say that you had um, all the resources available to you. If you could imagine a piece of technology to help benefit, um, you know, practitioners, doctors, nurses, what would it be? Like, what would you imagine? It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be limited to VR technology, but like, you know, something that you see is a big problem right now in the industry that, you know, needs to be addressed kind of similar to, you know, fear of needles. And that's how Luna came out. I think there's like, depending on what type of person you are in patient. So, you know, if you're, oh, if you're someone who's healthy and you're not chronically ill, I think, um, I think, something that puts information all together. So it seems like you're always seeing this med tech where it's like, Hey, you know, you should be able to walk into a walk-in clinic and that information be with you and on you or in the, you know, however they're putting it, wherever they're putting it, that it's safe and secure, obviously. But that if you then had to go to emergency, you're not then recounting every drug you've had or that random allergic reaction, you know, like these are things that are like prehistoric. We should be having all that information very easily readily available um for chronic health so like for me i you know i have a whole diabetes team i have a ms specialist i see i have an infusion every six months so um for me i think i think yeah something relaxing when i go to those those clinics and appointments so like um for example with ms so you can 
I had a huge attack in January. I actually lost the ability to walk for two months. Um, so I had to get treatment for that. And they basically took all the plasma out of my body. So I did five days of continuous plasma transfusions, which is not a fun experience. Um, but you know, you kind of get like, because you're going in every day and you're, you're getting needles, you know, and people are like, Oh, you're so good with needles. I actually was like getting panicky in the middle of them. And I was like, this is when I was like, okay, yeah, VR is amazing. Um, VR is really great for quick procedures and they're mm-hmm. still working on uh, VR for long-term procedures. Yeah. But that is one that I would love because, you know, we forget what people go through. So you look at someone, you have no idea that they have health complications. And as a nurse who hasn't had a break, has, you know, really busy and like having tons of patients, sometimes we actually forget to just like stop and think what they're going through. Um, and so maybe you could have a really cool technology that kind of, I don't know, it connects, it relaxes you and puts you in a good state of mind before you even walk into the room and somehow connects what that state of mind or what you're thinking about or your biggest concerns to the practitioner you're about to see. So it just like flows a little bit more easily, but to imagine what that would be like, I have no idea. So no, I love that you're always focusing more on like the patient experience as well, by also considering like, you know, your coworkers and your um, nurses and your peers as well. Like it is a two way street and it's amazing that, you know, completely. Uh, Um, And then I guess my last question is, um, generally we kind of ask this for all of our Bits and Bytes guests, (laughs) if you could create your dream team, so you can choose from like celebrities, historians, maybe like kings or gods, it doesn't matter, no, you know, boundary whatsoever, but if you could create your dream team, let's say about three to five people, like who would they be and why did you select those people? <laughs> Putting you on the spot a little bit here. <laughs> um, yeah, so funny wasn't an issue, and I could just do this job with like my dream people. My first one would be like still my husband because it just we work really well together, and it, it's a joy to be. It's a joy to see your partner. So I got married at nineteen. Um, I was a little baby getting married, and you know it's been eight years. I'm twenty seven, but it's just there's some things that he does where you're like wow, I forgot, you know, I'm so impressed by this or I love you for this. So I would, I would love to keep working with him. Um, my sister, that one I was talking about at Cisco, Sarah has her name and she's a powerhouse. Like she's like the biggest advocate. She loves what she does. And we laugh like no tomorrow. So she would definitely be on my team. Celebrities, like my celebrity crush has always been Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh yeah. It's Kevin Hart. <laughs> I love Kevin Hart. I like, He's so short and I'm so tall. I'm 5'11 and I just would love to beside him. Um, and I just think, you know, I think he'd be really funny to work with. You can sell some software too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, uh, uh, for that one, that trip we did, we listened to his book on audio and he's reading it and it was like 22 hours or something of him reading and I was just dying. He <laughs> <laughs> gave me the stress relief. Oh, <laughs> the stress relief ball. <laughs> Yeah. And then I want someone who was like, you know, a shark, like someone who would like take, con- you know, like take control and really do it. But I'm trying to think of someone nice who's like that. I don't know. Who's a female? Yeah. Could be a male too. But who's like a, who's like a female powerhouse and I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the names from like, you know, like Shark Tank, because that's like the first thing that comes in my mind when you said Shark Tank. Like, like, Shark Tank. Yeah, Charlene, <laughs> I think is the name, but yeah. I don't know. 
Oh, I think that maybe that's just it. Kevin Hart, my husband, and my sister. <laughs> Kevin Hart is a great addition. I, I, we had another guest. I forgot who it was, but they were like, "I would want The Rock on my team." <laughs> like, what about Kevin Hart? Like, you know, the power duo. <laughs> They'd be amazing together. <laughs> well, well, this episode, I thought of another one that would be great because you said you said reality doesn't matter. So I would want Iron Man. Yeah. Oh. But are you meaning like the real Iron Man or like Robert Downey Jr. Because they're too. No, I, I I need I need the brains and the and the multiple oh, personality right. and you know all the craziness that comes with that and the jet yeah. engines. <laughs> Wouldn't you say Bruce Banner might be a safer choice here? Because you know safe. I, I don't I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hart's going to need to play mediation. <laughs> See, I was just thinking like Spider Man because I love Spider Man, but oh, I don't think. Yeah. He- <laughs> brain wise <laughs> yeah no that's awesome i love these answers yeah so um i that's it for us i think um thank you so much naomi for joining us on this episode of its invites so i know we got to miss out on the food challenge that you were looking so forward to <laughs> i throw up so easily i was like I'm oh no <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's a good oper- blessing in disguise then. <laughs> the timing. But yeah, thank you so much, Naomi. I'm really glad that you joined us for this session today. And um, for those of you that are interested in learning more about Luna VR, uh, we will be sharing her contact information and some uh, websites available that's related to Luna, and you can learn more about it. And if you want to connect directly, uh, Naomi, are you? Is there any way that if you know someone wants to reach out with any questions, is there a preferred way that? Um, they can reach out to you. Yeah, definitely. Just it's my full name, so it's n a o m i dot v a n h a l t e r e n at gmail dot com. Um, you can do my personal email there, and I'll get it really quick. So, okay. Yeah. Thanks so much awesome. again. All right. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks for having me. Thanks.